And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Come on then, David. We're going to pray for you, and then it's over to you to share with us. Father, we thank you for David. Mm. We thank you, Father, for the, for the access he has to so many different environments, so many different people. Father, we pray that wherever he goes, we pray that he would carry the favour and the blessing of God into those situations. We pray that you continue to give him wisdom as he leads and supports so many churches. And Father God, we pray now as he opens your word to us, we pray your blessing upon him. We pray the anointing of your Holy Spirit. And Father, may our hearts be open to you, what you want to say and do amongst us and in us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And I suppose I've done my introduction really, haven't I? <laughs> but it was it's really very special to be here. And um, I, I find myself looking at John chapter 1 regularly at the moment because it seems to me that At times, we are living in a world that seems very dark indeed. Ten years ago, when I was asked to be a bishop, I got involved a little bit in the reconciliation team at Lambeth Palace, where there were priorities to work and engage with the Democratic Republic of Congo, with a huge sort of potential conflicts between, particularly on the eastern side of the country, what was then the United Sudan, now two different nations, um, with Palestine and Israel, with Pakistan and with Northern Ireland. Five areas of priority where faith communities might have an opportunity to broker conversations that might not otherwise happen. In southern Sudan, when the Pope and the Archbishop of Canterbury invited two major political leaders to come on a retreat to the Vatican, when the Pope washed the feet of Salva Kerr 
and his deputy. They were meant to be highly symbolic moments. And yet, nine years on, in each of those theatres, except perhaps Northern Ireland, it looks like it's a darker place than it was nine years ago. Two days ago, a big fire was set up. Was, um, people set fire to oil cans outside the British Embassy in Kinshasa, where I have stayed in that embassy, as an act of protest against perceived British political interference in support of Rwanda, who people, the Congolese believe have aspirations to annex some of the mineral-rich eastern part of Congo. We know the story of the political turmoil this weekend in Pakistan, of the horrific things that have gone on since October the 7th, including October the 7th in Palestine and Israel. And we might be tempted to say, well, where is the light shining in the darkness? Maybe in our own country too, we have a sense that actually the things we might have hoped for in the past when food banks were set up, the hope that this was an emergency intervention, that once the political will was there, we longed for the day when people wouldn't need to visit a food bank. In one of the wealthiest nations in the world, the increasing numbers of people who need to go to a food bank is not a positive sign of health in our nation. But thank God for those who do set up food banks. Thank God for Christians and largely members of Christian communities who, get, who are at the forefront of acts of compassion and care, who say we will, if you like, follow that, uh, that extraordinary biblical imperative that we watch out for the widow, we watch out for the orphan, we watch out for the stranger, the sojourner, the foreigner in our place that we watch out for those who are poor. And thank God, and I know that you are at the heart of that as a congregation. And maybe the place is always on our knees, looking for signs of the kingdom, people who want to live by a different way. But there are issues of justice and compassion that the darkness prompts us towards. And so often, and I'm so delighted, I think, you know, I'm going to go away today deeply encouraged by your life because you start by saying, where have you seen God at work? You don't dodge the difficulties and the things that are a challenge, but where have you seen the kingdom of God? Where is that simple phrase in the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth in Basingstoke as it is in heaven. Because goodness will persevere through thick and thin. Goodness is patient. It keeps on keeping on. But every piece of good news, every testimony that we have, competes with an avalanche of ills. And yet, John chapter 1. And isn't it amazing? I don't know whether you have a favorite gospel. I'm running a, a class in um, Winchester at the moment, and I've divided the class, actually in the past, into four, but this time into three. So a third of the class r- read through Mark's gospel. 
And they are the jokers, they are the storytellers, they are the people who can, tell, who can hold your attention as they tell a quick story. The, I don't tell them the slightly cleverer ones. The ones who are, stu- no, the studious ones. I get them to read Luke. You know, the historian goes from when Mary knows she's going to have a baby. But I ask the artists and the poets and the musicians to read John. Because there's no, there's no careful narrative. There's no historical narrative. It starts with eternity. It starts, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God's. It looks at the whole of cosmos. And John is fascinating, isn't he? The one disciple probably who wasn't executed instead was exiled to live an isolated life in his old age. The one who saw every hope and dream shattered. Where is the resurrection Christ? Where is the the new kingdom of God when my friends and my fellow leaders have been executed? Where the Apian way in Rome is lined with crucifixions? As anyone who proclaims Jesus is Lord and denies the cult of the emperor faces a capital punishment. Has it really happened? Is Jesus really Lord? And as you read his gospel, his three letters, and the book of the Revelation, you discover that he says a resounding yes. Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. This, that he does, the light does shine in the darkness. And if you read the other gospel accounts, you discover that Jesus was born into a world every bit as dark as our own. For shortly after his birth, Herod sent ruthless soldiers who assassinated every child under two. Jesus escaped by the skin of his teeth. And he kept on escaping for the next 30 years. But in the end, they got him. For where Herod's sword had failed, Pilate's hammer succeeded as they nailed him to a cross. And as he died, the land was covered in daytime darkness. It was as though heaven itself was saying, this is the most dreadful day of all. But strangely, it is here, at the point of the cross, when darkness is at its deepest, that we find light and hope. For God was to take evil things, hatred, fear, violence, and revenge, and use those things as the raw materials from which to quarry our salvation. And so today, the power of God is seen in symbols of weakness and vulnerability, in a manger and on a cross. And in those enduring symbols, power is kept in check. Power is handed over. Power is controlled by love. One of the great titles for Jesus is Emmanuel. God is with us. 
And to bring light into this dark world, God did not send a legion of angels. He came himself. The words of John. The word became flesh. God became man. He entered the darkness. He embraced the pain. He experienced the alienation and the humiliation. He drank the cup of suffering. And, and this assurance from John chapter 1 is that God is not a distant spectator to the anguish of our world. And as you and I turn to him in prayer and worship, we know that he understands from the inside out. But that is not all. For the Apostle John was able to write this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has never quenched it. Not only does God share our suffering, he transforms and redeems them too. For light always dispels darkness. That's its nature. And that baby in the manger is the light of the world. Your church family stories, the things that we share with other believers, the things that gladden our hearts is all around us. And I wonder too if in our more reflective moments as we try to make sense of a crazy world most of the time it is frenetic, isn't it? We are far too busy. We've got to work, we've got to plan things, we've got all sorts of domestic tasks that must be finished. And uh, having a grandson live with me for four months has taken that to a new order, and many of you say, well, you don't know you're alive, do you? <coughs> but there are moments when our reflective abilities make you say, well, what are the real questions that need answering in this world? Not just in the Christian, Christocentric community that has known Jesus as Lord and Master, but in the world that we're set in, and I think the sort of questions that are there are very deep. Sometimes it's a personal tragedy or personal suffering that causes us to ask the question. But the question I think that's being asked in our communities, and people rarely look to the church for the answer, so you and I have to inhabit the world they're in and the questions that are there. What sort of world is it? Are we just doing our best for 70 or 80 years and then we fall off the edge into extinction? Is there really meaning? Is there really truth? Is there really love? Is there really God at the heart and centre of it all? Or is it actually a cold, unfeeling, unthinking world that just seems to grind relentlessly on one crisis to the next? Well, the Bible confronts those questions. It comes up with very real answers. No, none of us are here just for 70 or 80 years. We're here for eternity. Yes, we can find God and meaning and truth and love at the center of our world. That's the Christian good news. But the better news is this. It is all rooted in verifiable history. It's rooted in the lives of thousands of human beings. And the best news of all is that we can find these wonderful things of meaning 
and truth and God himself, not only at the center of our world, but at the very heart and center of our own personal lives. The people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. Light has dawned upon them. Dwellers in a land as dark as death, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Light for a dark world. That's why we're here. Light for our families. Light for our individual personal lives. But I would be wrong to say that it's all promise. Because I think there's a challenge too. And the challenge is simply this. Will we allow the light of God to flood our lives? Will we allow the light of God to give us spiritual life and moral direction? Will we allow it to penetrate the darkest corners of our lives? To reveal to us the shabbiness, the pettiness, the half-heartedness, the irritability, the lust, the greed, the idleness, the self-centeredness, the moral mediocrity that lurks in the shadows. Heaven waits for your answer and mine with bated breath. Everything hangs on the answer that we give. For in the prologue to this great gospel, this chapter one, John writes this, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to those who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I first knelt by the side of my bed 50 years ago because of the story a friend told me about welcoming this Jesus into his life. And I did that. But I want to tell you, I have to pray that prayer every single day of my life. For I want and long for the light of God to invade every part of my life. And I think that's a challenge. That's a challenge if you and I are to be those who unselfconsciously can reveal Christ to a dark world because the light of God has invaded you and invaded me. Whether we use the language of a Christocentric faith or, if you like, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit that daily refreshes you and renews you, I think at the end of the day it is living out the first few verses of John chapter 1.